Hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today is going to be fun because we are going offline a bit. Now, we're still talking e-com. We're still talking what's new and what's next. But sometimes what's old becomes new again, right? And so I've mentioned it a time or two on the podcast. My background was actually in TV and radio. So when I was chatting with our, our guest today, we started talking about some offline tactics that they're using now to grow a couple of e-commerce brands. And I was immediately intrigued. We dug deep and decided, hey, this would be a great topic for a podcast episode. So here we are for today. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and two-minute crash course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest is Sayon Sarkar. And Sayon is a serial entrepreneur. He's the founder of Invigorate Now Health Sciences. He's also the creator of Sark Media Direct, a direct response consultancy that specializes in helping entrepreneurs grow in the health and e-commerce industries. Uh, he's passionate about combining cutting edge, uh, cutting edge rather, online marketing strategies with traditional direct response. And he's worked with some really successful companies like Martha Stewart, Organifi, Zenith Labs, and many more. He's got a knack for finding low-hanging fruit in his clients' businesses, uncovering that, pulling some levers to really maximize that. And does a, does a lot with, believe it or not, newspaper and radio, right? And direct mail, which just thrills my soul uh, to be talking about that uh, as well. Uh, Sayon is also a savvy investor, really bright guy, lives in New York City with his uh, family. And so with that, Sayon, thanks for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Brett. Glad to be here. Yeah, really excited to be chatting about this. You know, you and I were nerding out pre-show talking <laughs> yep. about direct response and talking about our backgrounds and stuff like that. And and so let's let's kind of get the backstory. How how did you get into direct response marketing? And then what is your marketing background? Yeah, so DR marketing for me became uh, it basically came from necessity. So what I mean by that is I started my first business back in 2011. And uh, the first year, I literally made $45 because I had no idea what I was doing. I literally did not know how to, not only did I, know, did I not know how to run a business or do any operational stuff, I had no idea how to market and sell my product. Um, and I wanted to give up. I think, I think 
people who go in so gung-ho about something and fail so hard, they want to give up. But I knew I couldn't, right? Like in, inside of me, I had that feeling that I had to keep moving. I had to figure it out. So around that time, I want to say is like my, you know, maybe the end of the first year in business when I realized I basically sucked <laughs> and knew nothing. Um, I had been searching, you know, marketing and copywriting and stuff online and I stumbled onto Dan Kennedy. Uh, Dan Kennedy, as I'm sure you know, uh, old school direct response marketer and copywriter. Um, big so yeah, big Dan Kennedy fan. And, yep. you know, he, he just passed away not long ago. There's the kind of a, a marketing giant, one of the, the, the yeah. modern forefathers. So, yeah, I subscribed to his newsletter and went to his events for a number of years. And that's actually, it was actually at a, at a, at a super conference that I nice. met yeah. Russell Brunson. I don't know if you know Russell Brunson or not, but you know, I, you know, I did some stuff together back in 2009 and we met at a Dan Kennedy event. So, yep, learned a lot from Dan Kennedy. Uh, sad, sad to hear of his passing. Yeah, likewise. Um, but yeah, I mean, that guy's a, a pure genius and yep. he really, or rather his programs introduced me to, to marketing the direct response way and really learning how to convince people to act now, right? It's not yep. like, putting fancy, nice words in front of them, but making them act now um, through copywriting and marketing. So really that's what started that many years ago. And, and over time, we branched out to many things, you know, uh, as we'll discuss today, um, that includes offline marketing, so newspapers, radio, direct mail, um, online marketing, Facebook affiliate ads, so much more. So uh, that was the beginning. And since then, it's really spiraled in a very good way uh, into so many things. And I realize now that no matter what... Uh, what type of marketing I'm doing, those DR principles are always the foundation of making yeah. it work. So, so true. So true. F yeah. Fully agree. You know, my agency does a lot with YouTube and the display network and Amazon DSP, Amazon display, direct response principles, those principles that guide a good headline, a good offer, a good hook, all of that still apply. Has to be modified mm -hmm. a little bit, right? To fit to fit the medium, to fit the actual ad, but it's still totally applies, which, which is pretty exciting. So uh, before we start talking about offline marketing, uh, I know you have a knack for finding low-hanging fruit, finding opportunity, waiting to be leveraged. Can you talk about your, your approach there a little bit or any insights? Like how, how would you look at a client's business and say, ah, these, this, these are the, the quick wins, the easy opportunities. This is what we should do first. Yeah. So the biggest thing, or rather, there are two big things. One is um, looking at how to maximize the value of your current customer database. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of companies out there who have great, you know, great companies and great acquisition in terms of they bring in a lot of good, a lot of customers and they know how to do it. But then they leave their customers there. They don't email them. They don't direct mail them. They just let them be. Um, that is a massively waste opportunity. Um, so one of the things we look, we look for in terms of low hanging fruit, it's like. We could spend time building out a new offer on, you know, on a new marketing medium, or we could spend that same amount of time or actually less time putting together a very simple mail piece to go to your customers and sell them another one of your products or resell them on your product, get them to reorder. So all these things in terms of taking, taking stock of the assets you already have and seeing where you can not even put down a lot of cash because you're not going to be spending on ads. You're just spending on, you know, that mail piece or even emails to those customers. So taking stock of what you have already, seeing where to maximize revenue from that, then using that new revenue to put that into more back-end mailers or into acquisition. 
but really finding ways to make cash out of what you have and not just going out and spending and trying to figure new stuff out. Um, similarly, so the second way we do that is on the acquisition front. So let's say you have an ad that's working in newspapers or maybe it's even online on Facebook, right? It's not, um, it's not only scaling over there, but finding how to take that exact same message, modify it just a bit for a new medium. So again, it's finding ways to take what you already have, wrapping that around into a new medium or into optimizing your, your database and so on. Love it. I, I fully agree. You know, that customer database, your existing customers, even if you are investing in, in remarketing and email marketing and hopefully messenger marketing or SMS marketing, you're still likely not fully maximizing that. And and not that you, the answer is just bugging your your list more, but how do you provide more value? How do you help enrich their life more? How do you educate them more? Stay top of mind more? Uh, fully agree. That's a, that's an untapped resource. And and then kind of to your your other point of taking what's working in one medium and moving it to the next. Let's let's transition right into offline marketing. So I'm really excited to talk about this and and taking this is going to be new. I bet you a lot of the successful e-commerce companies listening to this podcast. Most of our clients uh, have never done offline marketing. So uh, why newspaper and radio and things like that? And kind of how did, how did you stumble upon this? And, and then we'll maybe, maybe deep dive into newspaper first because that's, that's like the, the one that I think everybody's totally written off, but, but there's still <laughs> yeah. some good there. But how did you stumble into offline marketing or was it, was it a planned thing on your part? No, I, I stumbled onto it. So... Um... I mean, I first got a little taste of it, just, you know, reading a lot of off, old school stuff. So not only Dan Kennedy, but Gary Halbert, Ben Suarez, all these guys who are doing advertorials in newspapers, you know, 10, 20, not 10, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, and like, that's how I learned marketing. I learned copywriting through all this stuff and, and rewriting their ads. So really it was kind of a natural idea for me to go towards that type of thing. Um, however, I had some mentors, you know, about three years in, it was a guy named Doberman Dan. Uh, he's still active online, so he's uh, you know, he's still in the space. But he had this uh, this like training program, so I went through that and really worked with him a bit more closely. And I launched my first newspaper ad after working with him. Um, and really, that became my first uh, my first time going from theory into actual practice. Um, and since then, you know, I, I mean, the first few ads they weren't amazing. Obviously, it takes time to you know, actually make things work. But over time, we got very good at it. We um, we took that first from, from our original, you know, health supplement company into other supplements and then into clients who were not only in supplements, but also in general e-com. Um, so really, we, we, we again understood how to take these core principles, in this case of writing advertorials in the newspapers um, and applying that across different products, different niches, different industries, and so on. Got it. And, and so that those first newspaper ads you wrote, can, can you talk about the product either just in general, the general category or, or any other specifics? And, and, and then how did that work? Yeah. So well, the, the first one ever was for my weight loss product, uh, weight loss supplement at the time, which, which was called Invigorate now. Um, and yeah, I mean, so basically we, you know, you know not we, uh, I wrote it and it had like a 1.5 to 1.6 X return on that spend, which which isn't really That's that great because yeah, so so I mean, it, so it overall, could be a okay. lot worse. That's it's not like, a train wreck for anybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anybody. Yeah, but 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 see the thing is, you know, with offline, you have to keep in mind is 
you're paying a call center, you're paying your media costs, right? Cost right. Sold. Yep. So what happens is, is like, oh, really, you want to be at least like a 1.7 in my experience to really be able to scale things. But mm-hmm. 1.5 is borderline where if you have the cash flow to sustain yourself, then you're okay. Because what's nice about um, offline, at least for supplements, is um, about 40% of your buyers are taking auto ships. So not only are you making that, you know, break even or so on day one, but let's say you bring in a thousand customers in a month, 400 of them are going on, on auto ship every month afterwards. So if you can wait that, you know, 30 to 45 day time span, um, then it's all profit. But, um, yep. but yeah, either way. So we had like a 1.5, 1.6. So it wasn't bad. Um, uh, we had optimized that for, for quite a, quite a bit before scaling it more. Um, but that one wasn't my wasn't at least one of my best ones. But one of my best ones was a uh, was a blood sugar supplement. Uh, it was called Glucopure. Um, so that one, again, I wrote the ad for it. Um, that took off very well. And, and like again, like the the, the return on ad wasn't amazing. Um, this one was closer to a one point nine two x. It was good with making good money on day one. Um, but more importantly, that small gap between like a one point six return on ad spend and a one point nine or two was all we needed because then we we're making a good amount on day one. Yep. And yep. we had almost so covering all your costs. You're, you're covering the cost of your call center and your cost of goods and your media costs. You're covering all that plus a little, it sounds like. And then, and then, yeah, you're getting, you're getting, and were you getting about the same rate of, of people doing the auto ship as well? Yep. Yep. So basically awesome. it's, it, it's funny how it works. At least the, the call centers we work with, they almost always do 40%. Um, it's kind of cool because it's it's more like and you know maybe you've heard us from, from sales, you know sales psychology and so on. But like they always just assume the sale. So like rather than saying, "Oh hey, do you want to add auto ship to your order?" Um, they say, "Oh, and also you know most of our customers take a fresh new supply of X Y Z product. Um, let me go ahead and add this to your order." Okay, so they stay, they still are saying yes and they're you know affirming that they want this. Sure, but sure. It's, but it's not but it's not I mean, like oh hey, do you want this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they yeah. assume it and push it forward a bit, and that makes them that much easier to close. Yep. Yep. Very interesting. Okay. So you're you're getting. So if you can get, and, and again, this this is with a, a product that that has some healthy margins. AOV's got to be decent, right? And there's the mm-hmm. auto ship component, the reorder component. Do you do you have any rules of thumb where you're looking at? Hey, for for newspaper to work, you probably need to have an AOV of X or greater and a margin of Y or greater. Any, any, any thoughts around those numbers? I know, I know it's going to vary on a lot of other factors too, but anything around CPA and margin that you could speak to? Yep. So um, on your, basically on your markup, I always aim to have at least a 5X markup. So let's say yep. your product cost yep. is $7. You're charging at least 35 plus for that product. Yep. Um, that helps you cover your, obviously your cost and your advertising and everything else. Um, and in terms of AOV, this is, this is, uh, very important because to make things work, whether it's in, you know, newspapers, direct mail, radio, et cetera, you need, in my experience, at least a 150 plus AOV. Um, now that doesn't mean you have to sell a product for 150, but it might mean you sell three units of a product yep. that costs 50, yeah, yep. 50 bucks yep. each. So, and the same thing we do with supplements, right? So we'll do typically a one bottle, four bottle and eight bottle offer. Um, so what happens is the eight bottle costs 300 bucks, the one bottle is 70, the two, the three bottle is 180. And on average, they're spending at least, you know, 160, 170. Um, so the same thing you can do with any kind of e-commerce product or not any kind, but many kinds of products. Um, 
that, you know, maybe like someone needs three units, something for themselves. And then you kind of position it in a copy so that they want to then buy three more for their friends or their family or whatever it is. So um, basically like typical bulk order stuff, um, work that into your actual sales pitch. And what happens is even though the product might only sell by itself for 40 bucks, you end up getting, you know, 150 plus out of that customer. Yep, makes sense. So then your CPA, your cost per acquisition in that case, like $160 uh, AOV, then you're spending about a hundred bucks or thereabouts, a little less, I guess, maybe to yeah, get that yeah, customer. Yeah, typically, yeah. So, I mean, like if it's a 1.6 return on ad spend, then yeah, about a hundred bucks, but typically we'll want to be, you know, 85, yeah, one, 90 bucks on that. Got it, got it. And, and I think that's so important. And, and so uh, it's interesting just how how this translates to other media. So, so a lot of people talk to us about YouTube. You know, we're, we're one of the biggest spinners on YouTube ads for an agency our size. Uh, we've found that you can, with the right ad, the right offer, you, you can profitably run YouTube with just about any CPA. And then that's, that's obviously being too broad. But um, we do have some clients that need like a $20 CPA or something. You can use YouTube but you're going to be pretty limited, right? For for people, and kind of going back to that first example you talked about where, hey, you were getting this 1.9 and it was scaling. To scale on YouTube in our uh, experience, you need to be able to spend about $50 to $100 to acquire a customer. That's where you can find some scale. And I think the reason for that is there's just like these minimum costs per media, right? They're, they're you know, to, to, to compete with other people that are trying to, to buy the space in the newspaper or they're trying to bid for time on YouTube. There's just going to be like these minimum media costs that are associated. And your conversion rate's only going to be so good, right? You can't get like exactly. a 20, 20% conversion. Like that doesn't, no copywriter can ever do that, right? So they're like these minimum areas that you kind of need to live within. So so if you're wanting to scale, and this is so interesting how it applies to different media, kind of need to be in that like 50 to $100 CPA. If you can, if you can absorb that and be profitable you can likely scale in a, in a variety of, of media, which is really interesting. Yeah. And also I think the biggest thing, which, which, you know, I learned a lot working with guys, you know, who are newer to the industry and newer to business is a lot of them assume that their customer will only buy one unit of their product. And that is so untrue. Like if you give people the opportunity to buy, you know, three, six, 12 units, some of them will buy it and your AOV will bump up quite a bit. And then you can afford, you know, that fifty plus dollar CPA, um, at, you know, as you're discussing, because it's, it's so important. And, and, like yeah, it just, yeah. And some people, yeah. all they need to, they just need to be asked, and they need to have a little bit of an incentive to do it, right? And if you exactly. do those things, a certain percentage are going to do it, and and it's amazing what that does to your AOV. So that's awesome. Okay, cool. So uh, super intrigued about newspaper. It's one of those things where. Uh, when I got my start in media, I actually was in radio sales, and then and then I started doing radio and TV. And anyway, so I mean, we were always mm-hmm. like, we were dog in the newspaper, dude. We were like, you know, trying to sell against it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, you know, as I mentioned, I, I followed Gary Halpert and and, and uh, Gary Halbert and and Dan Kennedy and stuff like that. So I was still still a fan of it. How are you buying newspaper though? Because I know it's not one of those things where you can go out and just pay full retail price for a newspaper ad and then expect to be profitable. Are you buying remnant? Um, How how does that, how does that process work with it without getting too technical? Yeah. Yeah. So basically we do buy remnant and remnant for those who don't know, basically it's last minute media space. So, um, and and also we work through a broker and the broker, they go on our behalf to all the different publishers. Uh, And what happens is they're telling the publisher, Hey, I have a so-and-so, you know, company's ad. 
um, you know, for the next two weeks, I want you to find some spot to run this ad. And they tell that to the publishers. And what the publishers then do for their papers is um, when they have, you know, let's say it's like a random Thursday, uh, some random page in the paper um, that they don't, that they have not sold their ads for, they'll place you in there. So what happens is you're not able to select like, oh, I want this section, this page, right-hand side, but you're getting like a 90% discount in some cases because Redmond Media, what happens is, again, it's last minute. They're kind of putting your ad in there. And because of that, they give you a huge, huge discount. Um, one of my best examples of this is if you go to USA Today directly and you ask them for an ad, they're going to charge you $40,000 plus. This same ad bought Remnant is $6,500. So it's a huge, huge difference. Um, yeah. And if your ad is already working to the point where you know it can scale, you can keep buying that over and over again. So it's not like you run, you know, one paper um, for, you know, one paper once every three months, you can rerun that paper every three to four weeks over and over and over again until it stops working. So yeah, um, it is so important to, you know, really get those rates down. And <laughs> like the, the one way to not do that is go direct because you will get screwed time and time again. So go through a broker, go through the agency, and you'll be much better off. Yep, one hundred percent agree. Because yeah, once you start paying full retail, now your conversion rates almost have to be unnaturally high. Exactly, it changes the math so dramatically. And what's interesting, so so this is sort of like flying standby, right? Where you're saying, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. I just just get me in there somehow, some way," and and basically, then they're just they're filling space if um, if they have it, and and so that's definitely the way to go. Do you have any recommendations for how to go about doing this? I mean, is it as simple as doing a Google search and trying to find a, a broker? Are there are there resources or or directories or associations you recommend someone go to, or is so, it more just about you know who you know type of thing? Yeah, no. So, so there are a few out there. Um, the one that we've worked the most with, uh, the name is Macromarks. You can search them online. I mean, they actually started in uh, in direct mail like you know thirty years ago. But now they they basically are one of the top guys or the top brokers in terms of um, you know print ads and newspapers in you know and, and what, so, what was the name one, what was the name one more time uh, uh, Macro Mark so M A C R O M A R K great okay awesome yeah um, very cool and and so and that that is a really good point that you made earlier you don't have to just run one time in one newspaper right because you're running remnants so you're going to be who knows where you're going to appear in this in this newspaper? So run it several times, right? You'll you'll likely be reaching new people uh, each time you run it. And, and so now, uh, you know the, the the population of of those that still get the newspaper on a regular basis does skew a little older, right? Older and or professional if they have that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, any any rules of thumb or how do you how do you look at that where? You know, you say, hey, if, if a client's targeting millennials only, newspaper may not be the best choice. What are you looking at demographically before you decide to go newspaper? Yep, 100%. So if somebody comes to me and says, oh, I'm selling, I don't know, like women's leggings, like, well, actually surprising, it might work, but I'm not, I'm not going to try it. Because like to me, I know the customer in the papers is a 50 plus year old man or woman. Um and if I don't know for sure that my product or, or you know, my client's product is going to work that demographic, then I'm going to tell them up front, like, we're not sure if this will do it. I'm going to recommend you probably don't do it. 
Um, so it really depends on what the demographic is. And yeah, if it's a pr predominantly, you know, uh, audience under 50 or un under 40, it's not going to be a good fit for papers. Yep, makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, let's transition to radio a little bit. So that that is where I got my start in media. So I've always got a little bit of a soft spot for radio. How do you go about buying radio and how does that work? Yep. So similar to how we do with uh, with mail, uh, or, or sorry, with uh, newspapers, um, basically, you know, we go to different agencies. The agencies will then go to the actual stations on our on our behalf. Um, I mean, same with anything. I mean, even in a sense, if you're looking at, um, you know, let, let's say it's like Google or Facebook, like you, you yourself aren't actually going to each of those different publishers. You're going to Facebook or Google and they're doing it for you. So same over here. You're not going to each station. You're going to an agency or you're going to an, uh, a media broker. So uh, with radio, we have agencies we work with. And again, we'll basically tell them, hey, look, we want to do a media plan for this type of product. And then what they'll do is they can look historically. You know, th these days is great because they have you know, media report on everything. So you can find out where your competitors are spending money. Um, and the agency can do it for you. They'll see what stations they're running on what day parts they're running on and so on. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for, for them to plan out an actual media buy based on what we have seen work for similar products. Um, and, and again, I mean, this is, I'm saying this for radio, but this can be done online too, right? It's like finding out where your competitor already is advertising. Um, and if you can find out at what level they're advertising, you know, on that website or, or publication or station in the case of radio and advertise there as well. Um, so yeah, same thing we do here um, in radio. And again, it's always through an agency. Um, now, the one thing that I'll say about radio is I have always, actually, this is kind of true for you know, many things I've done. I've always found that the power of the word free is just humongous, and especially in radio. Um, in radio, you have this, this kind of unique experience of targeting a, uh, a customer who is probably driving their car um, or they're doing something else. You have a minute to attract their attention and get them to either call the phone number or text a no, uh, text a code to you. So it has to be very, very um, attention grabbing. And uh, there are many ways to do this, but one of the biggest ways I found is giving away something for free. So um, whether that means you know a free uh, like a free bonus uh, that comes with their order, or if you're selling maybe a supplement or some other product where it lends to multiple units. Um, giving away, you know, one or two units for free with an order, as long as it's something that makes them understand that, A, there's this kind of incentive to act now, and B, that that incentive is expiring at some point, whether it's running out of quantity or running out of time. Um, those things are super important, especially in radio, because right? you have, again, that, that very short uh, time span to grab them and make them act. Yeah, I love it. And and you're right. Like in that free, it's a trigger word. People perk up, they pay attention. And if if you lay out the value of what this free thing, this free offer will bring, then, then people are much more likely to, to take action. I know back in the days when I was selling radio, you know, we were thinking about things like reach and frequency. So reach would be the number of people you're reaching. Frequency would be how many times they're hearing it. So, you know, you can't just say, okay, we're going to do radio. We're going to run one ad this week. Like that, that exactly. doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work the same way that it does for newspaper where you're, we're running one ad in the, you know, this, this daily paper, we're running one ad, see how it does. With newspaper, you got to hit people a few times because they often won't remember after the first time they, they hear it. But how are, how are you typically buying radio? What, what kind of reach and frequency are you looking for? 
or are you just looking at a, at a cost per thousand of CPM, or or how are you kind of how are you approaching the structure of that radio buy? Yeah, so so the way I do it, uh, we look mostly at CPM. Um, so for the most part, I want to be below four dollars per thousand, um, and obviously it depends on what the actual station is and where we're buying. But a lot of stuff we buy, we're by basically a national station which has you know hundreds upon hundreds of affiliate stations. So if that's like you know Kiss FM or WHTZ or whatever it is, it's a nationwide station, which means you tend to see much cheaper rates on national buys. Um, now, if you're going to like you know a series of somebody you know Sirius satellite radio those tend to be higher, but uh, we tend to not go there, at least in the beginning, because what we do, and this is this is really the same for print in terms of how we target. Um, we don't really do specialized products. Like we, we like to sell stuff that is broad, that's going to target and appeal to a lot of people. Um, and that's, again, why like you can buy stuff in the papers um, on any random page, and if it works, it can scale, because it's so broad. Same with radio the stuff we do tends to be broad enough so that it appeals to most people. And therefore we don't have to get too specific on targeting. I mean, obviously you want to be in the right demographic and so on, but like we, we don't always feel the need to go towards very specific uh, stations where you're going to end up paying double, triple, quadruple the price. Um, and you know, for that same exposure, like, like one key example is um, probably like two, three, two or three years ago, I, uh, I bought a lot of, for my clients, I bought a lot of stuff in podcasts. Um, well, or not, not a lot, but I mean, made a lot for some. It was like, it was like 30K a month or so in podcasts. And um, basically, we were paying like a 35 plus dollar CPM. And we thought we were getting these, this very highly targeted audience. But really, it performed, like, actually didn't perform at all compared to the, our radio, which we we're paying like $2 per thousand on. Um, and the reality is because that product was so broad based with appeal to so many people that it didn't matter as much to be super targeted in our, in our advertising. So, um, that, yeah, it's so cool. So, I mean, the, the things you got to think about is, you know, the, the cost of media and, and how expensive is it? Because a lot of people just don't have a frame of reference for what, what is a good CPM? I don't know. Like what's your, is it, is it $5? Is it two? Is it 35? Uh, who knows? Like most people just don't have that as a frame of reference, but but getting that right can overcome. So reaching a much broader audience can often be so much cheaper that yep. you find you find the quality within the quantity, right? You find the right people within just this broad reach, and so you can't you can't afford to pay those 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 high CPMs on a really narrow audience. So something to think about then is is does your product have mass appeal? Can you run on some of these uh, nationwide radio networks? Because if you can, then that's when you're going to get that $4 CPM, $2 CPM, something like that. So yeah. uh, what, what kind of are you seeing? Are you, are you targeting kind of the same ROAS with radio that you're looking at with newspaper? Kind of that 1.7, 1.9 for, yeah. for so, supplement com- companies? Yeah. 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 So basically we also do, I, I mean, unless we can't, which hasn't run, which has not been the case. We always try to have auto ship on the back end. So again, as long as we have like a 1.7 or so and we're above break even on day one, we're okay waiting for another 30 days for auto ship revenue to come in. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. What, what do you say, kind of tying this then to, to online marketing, when you run a news, you know, when you, when you place newspaper, when you create some radio flights, are you then looking at 
setting anything up with, say, your Google ads, with your search ads mm-hmm. to make sure now you're capturing people who may have heard a radio ad and now they're searching because they couldn't quite remember what they heard or they saw something in the newspaper and now they're searching. How, how do you kind of pair Google ads with these offline media? Yep. So, so basically, I mean, we don't go too extreme, but exactly. We do have brand ads. So we have an ad for our brand name term. So exactly. If somebody searches the brand name in Google, we don't want them to get sent anywhere else. We don't want them to get distracted. So we have our ad right on top and we might actually have that matching what they saw. So if we had, say, a, a few keywords that were said in the ad that may be memorable, we'll have those in that actual ad. Yep. Um, and again, get them to recognize that, understand that, yes, they are in the right place. Click that ad, and that ad is not going to like necessarily, necessarily the homepage. It might go to an actual landing page that is meant for that type of person um, to, again, corroborate what they saw already and correlate with that so that they really feel that, hey, I'm in the right place. This matched what I saw. It's all about being really congruent from one step to another until they actually buy. Yeah, it's really interesting. So we we see this effect when we're running YouTube ads and then also running search ads. So one of the things we do, and this is fairly common now, but but you take a list of people that have viewed a video. So it's a viewed video audience. You then layer that into a search campaign and now you can bid more or target specific keywords that people that have seen your YouTube ad are now searching. And it's interesting. You can tell there are some people that... Because again, we're just targeting a viewed video audience and we see what they're searching in Google. You can tell something in the ad triggered them, but they don't remember the brand name. And uh, mm-hmm. so that that's just one of those things. That's kind of one of those eye openers that, okay, so if you're going to be doing radio, you're going to be doing print, whatever. Like think about if someone were to watch, uh, listen to this, see the newspaper ad they leave, now they're trying to remember, what might they search for? Because you're, you're going to have people like that, that something about it struck a chord, they didn't take action in the moment, now they can't fully remember your name. So uh, just, just really interesting. I'm, I'm sure there's quite a bit of bleed over into direct traffic and, mm-hmm. and other things you know, from, from these ads, which is, which is super interesting. You, you did mention for radio, you're also you're going through an agency, right? Do you, have, do you have a recommendation there? Or is there, again, associations or other, other things people should be looking at for radio? So there are a few we use. Um, Barrington is one. The Media Partners Worldwide is another one. So it really depends, but it's, it's not as... So for example, like with print advertorials offline, like Macromark is my go-to. Um, whereas with radio, we've worked with a lot of people and, and we still kind of do. So it really depends what you're trying to do. And if it's a cash buy, if it's per inquiry buy, it all depends. Got it. And per inquiry just means you're not... That's like a pay for performance or pay for yeah, conversion. Exactly. So you're only paying if someone inquires. If someone... You're paying for a phone call, you're paying for, for lead inquiry, things like that. Yeah. And, and those, those are relatively hard to find these... I mean, I say that. There are still media outlets willing to do it, but you almost have to go through an agency to get those, it seems. Yeah, exactly. Like they, and I mean, it's kind of like my, my approach also to, I guess, business and marketing and stuff. It's like, look, yes, I, can I do that myself? Sure, I can. But like, how much more time and energy right. can do that versus paying somebody yep. a little bit extra money on top to do it for me? It'll so. take you two to three times longer than them or more, and you might not get the best results. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. what does that actually cost you if you if you go that route? So, um, cool. All right, so let's let's uh, let's transition then to, to direct mail. When and how are you using direct mail for ecom? 
So really direct mail for me is only two things. And one of those is again, backend mailers, which means we will do postcard mailers to our list. We'll do, even if it's as simple as having a package insert within your product or a, um, some kind of letter that goes out within a few days of the order that uh, A, confirms the order and kind of welcomes them to the family in a sense. And also says, hey, as a thank you for you know, becoming a new customer with us, here is XYZ product at a killer discount. Um, this is similar to like, if, if you, and my, my example for this is always like, about a year or two ago, I went to buy a new suit, right? And like, I couldn't just buy a suit. I bought new pants, new shirt, new tie tie bar, everything, right? And that's how your customer is, right? Like they don't necessarily just want that one thing and they're done. If they are so um like like basically like I, I guess they're they're a buyer in heat, right? Like when they came to buy a product, they are so focused on getting that end result that they will buy another two, three, four things that help them to get to that end goal faster. Um and the reason I say that is because if you understand that you can then use that to your advantage and offer them something else in those first seven to 14 days post-purchase that helps them A, further along their goal to get to where, to get to where they want to be, while also having them buy another product or two from you. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely, I mean, if you're doing email, that's that's a clear step one. But step two is having direct mail that goes out either in a package insert inside your package um, or as a postcard or a short letter that welcomes them and then gives them a new offer in those first seven to 14 days post order. Um, I love I love the standalone direct mail and I can still remember a few postcards I've received from e-commerce companies and it was just so different. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you never get mail from e-commerce companies. It really stands yeah. out and and you're pretty likely to respond. And, and one thing I want to kind of mention, I love the fact that you brought up the suit example. So uh, I, I, you know, as an online marketer, I don't have to wear suits that much. But uh, a couple years ago, I was going to have some speaking gigs where I, I was going to wear a suit. And, and I, I speak a fair amount, eight to 10 times, eight to 10 events a year or more. But a lot of those, I don't have to be, wear a suit. But I, I was going to, I needed a suit for a couple of events. So I went and uh, I bought two suits because I got a deal on two, right? And I only really <laughs> exactly. need one, but I bought two. But then when I bought two, I was like, well, I mean, I have some dress shirts at home, but I don't, I'm not excited about those dress shirts, right? So I wanted the guy to help me find other shirts and, and then ties and like that, that was part of the experience. If, if, if he had made a decision that the sales guy that I was working with, if he made a decision and thought, oh, well, you just, you, know, you, are, you just bought two suits. Let's not, I don't want to be high pressure. I don't want to mention anything else. I would have been disappointed, right? I would have gotten home exactly. and I would have had to wear yeah. my old shirts. Like I, I was more excited about it because I bought the extra stuff. So I, I love that there's a Jay Abraham quote that's kind of old now, but he said, it's your moral obligation to recommend the ideal amount of whatever to your client, right? They don't have to say yes, and a lot of people won't, and that's fine. But you need to at least recommend it, right? Give them the opportunity to have the best experience possible. And so yep. that's just just a shift. Exactly. But I think I think when you, and I don't have any stats to back this up, but when you pair email with direct mail, I, I, I bet you're seeing a, a greater lift. Can, can you speak to that at all and what you've seen with your, with your companies? Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't track the correlation between the two of them. But yeah. but yes, but yeah, I mean, the, well, the way we do it, and, and honestly, it's not, I guess, the best in terms of data, but we just look at it as, look, if I'm spending, you know, $4,000 on this direct mail campaign to these buyers during this week, okay, I made back $8,000, awesome. So it's not the best, like, uh, overall data, but I'm looking at, 
if I'm putting more money into this campaign or into these buyers and making two, three X that amount back, if not more, then great. That's awesome. All right, man. Hey, really good stuff. Hey, so we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, say on any, any other tips or advice you would give on either using offline or tying offline back to online. And then I want to talk about how people can learn more about you and, and, and what you do. Yeah. So my, my number one tip, which I love, I do it to this day also is, um, if you are unsure of what you want to sell, or if you have a product that's not really selling and you want to try something else, um, look up whatever TV infomercials are selling at scale Ooh, that's right now. That's a great idea. So the stuff that's selling at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Uh, any resources people. for how you could look? I mean, other than just you know, yeah, yeah. On TV. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan Whitney, he's this guy who does like reports of infomercials. So if you search his name. And that's Jordan um, Whitney? Yeah, so I, I think his site is jwgreensheet.com and he shows the top infomercial rankings in terms of how much money they're spending. So you you know wow. off that, okay, this is the best or this is the top you know spender right now in terms of volume. So you can make a product similar to that. And you already know that people are buying this at scale and you can probably make that succeed online or offline. So cool. Okay, and I'll, I'll find that. I'll link to the show notes as well so that people have that. Yeah. I could see that. That's a good resource for people doing stuff on YouTube as well, like seeing what what offers are hitting and maybe, you know, even watching those infomercials, getting a few tips yeah, from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, like everything, you get cool. the like positioning, product types, price points, it's all there for you. It's working at scale so you know that that can probably work somewhere else. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, uh, say on, so, so someone's listening to this and they think, man, I want to explore these ideas, these tactics, these offline media Obviously, you know, most of us don't know how to do it. So they could reach out to Sark Media Direct, which is you. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you work with clients and what's the best way for people to contact you and find out more? Uh, yeah, so what we do, we basically have different programs in terms of consulting and mentorship. Um, so they're group ones, they're one-on-one ones. So basically it depends on what you need in your business. Um, and we do work with everyone from newbies to, you know, seven, eight, and in some cases, nine for your companies. So... I wouldn't hesitate to reach out if you are interested in finding out more. Um, and so there are two resources. One is sarkmediadirect.com. That's our overall website. Um, you can hit the contact us page, reach out to us there. Um, also, so we have this uh, this case study of us building a client business from 25K to 1.4 million per month, um, basically using offline ads. Uh, and that case study is at sarkmediadirect.com slash eight dash figures. Awesome. Uh, we will link to all of that in the show notes. Sayon Sarkar, ladies and gentlemen. Sayon, thanks for taking the time. This has been a lot of fun. He's been really, really unique and really useful. Been a, a, in some ways a little bit nostalgic for me, which has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. And so anyway, really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. You got it, man. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, so as always, we would love to hear from you. What topics would you like us to explore? We'd love feedback on this specific episode. Uh, also, if you feel so inclined, we would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. That's how more that helps more people discover this show. Also, share this episode, share other episodes if you find them to be valuable. We'd love to talk to more e-commerce store owners. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. Man, that's a wrap. Uh, 
At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show. 